your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse political science professor, is in with me. So if you got questions about, well, pretty much anything, because we kind of just talk about anything. We've mm-hmm. we uh, we were gone. We were both gone last week, but um. Uh, so we missed out on our three weeks in a row of water tower talk. We did, <laughs> we had very relevant water tower news in the area, like very not like immediate area, but in the area. I did go out and uh, after the show because number three said, "Hey, look on top of the Charmont. There right. is a water tower up there. It's kind of now, funny." Did you climb up and look in like he suggested? <laughs> I didn't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did not do that. So now we got our water tower talk out of the way. So we got that. Check that off the list. Uh, a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, this is something that, so we, you, during the campaign debate season, is that a good way to put that? You were, a, uh, what do we call you, the moderator in a lot of those, almost maybe all those debates in yeah. the area, right? Probably. Was a there even a debate? And. Um, I was in on the Senate debate, so one of the I think it was I, I think I got three questions and I just asked the same one twice, but it was about campaign finance. <laughs> so one of the things we want to talk about today is the amount of money being spent on semi-local races, like state races, uh, and we're year a year and a half away, right? Like we're almost a year and a half away from the the votes being cast yeah rick i mean the big news in politics this week is the campaign funding reports because it gives us a sense of where things stand going into the 2022 race but the fact that we're talking about hundreds of thousands perhaps even millions of dollars of money raised over a year before the election it tells you something about sort of the, the state of the uh, of campaigns and campaign finance. Yeah, and we'll get into the numbers and who's got what in a in a little bit. I I don't want to I don't want to do that just just yet. Uh, obviously, the child tax credit thing mm-hmm. uh, started yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think that you might even saw a deposit in your bank account yesterday, right? Um, that's going to be. We're going to talk about how that might so <laughs> how that might help the 2022 election as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm almost. Part of me wants to start just doing that right now, but uh, um, we can always criticize when when it's uh, okay. How do we get people to vote for us? Well, giving them checks that's a good way. Is a good way. We're a little early on that. We should have waited to do the child tax credit till like October or maybe when uh, early voting starts, uh, just to really because that's that's what Governor Scott Walker did, right? Like he gave the hundred dollar yep. checks to you know the hundred. I think the quote was like to to buy shoes and clothes. And it was like, Walker, dude, it's a hundred bucks. Like we ain't buying all that. He, he was at the lacrosse airport holding a Spider-Man backpack. It was ridiculous. Um, but it was all, the, the, the complaining there was like, Oh, so you're going to give people a hundred dollars right before they go to the, to, to vote. I believe it was maybe a month before voting started. So, and that can backfire because it just seems nakedly political Related to no real public policy goal, but just purely related to your electoral interests. I think the bet that the Democrats are making, Rick, with the child tax credit is that people are going to get used to it. And they will like seeing that $300 show up in their bank account every month. And if people get used to something, and if they like something... Then it becomes really hard to unring that bell. It becomes to it becomes difficult to put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak, and I, thus the 
policy will be difficult to undo, perhaps. How about this for backfiring on Democrats? It ends in a year. Yeah. In a year, we're going to be thinking about voting. <laughs> so <laughs> if they don't renew it, in a year, we'll be like, oh, so I'm not getting my $300 check now, Joe Biden? I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on congressional Democrats to keep this going for at least a few more years to extend the life of this program through at least the next presidential election. Yeah, so th- so there's that. We might have just uh, we might have just did the child tax credit thing. Um, I I also want to talk about this. There, so that's that's like nuts and bolts. That's business stuff. There is this story on WisdomNews.com, um, and it's a it's an AP story, but it's about this guy in from Iowa who was arrested in Chicago. Did you read the story, or do you want did Did you read it at all? I, I did, it's, and I saw the picture too. Yeah, so the, the picture is funny. So this guy. He's in Chicago. He's staying at a hotel, and his name is where did his name go? Keegan Castile, and he and so what the mayor and maybe the police superintendent did might might be off off the they might they might have overstepped what they should say. But authorities say uh, some somebody at the hotel he was staying at a cleaning staff member observed and here's the just the straight from the AP. They observed a loaded semi-automatic rifle with a laser scope, five ammunition clips, and a loaded 45 caliber handgun in the room held by Castle Castile. And uh, the weapons were found on the 12th floor windowsill. The window has a view of Ohio State's, State's uh, Ohio Street's beach and Navy Pier, major tourist attractions. So seems pretty crazy. Suspicious. But also suspicious that this cleaning person knew all these guns. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'm drawing conclusions because when a member of the staff probably saw a bunch of guns on the windowsill and alerted police. And then police, because it would be kind of funny if the staff was like, oh, that's a, you know, what I got. I got to look it up. That's a loaded 45 caliber handgun. Hey, that looks like a semi-automatic rifle with a laser scope. I better call the police. Like. Rick, big picture. Can you imagine some of the things that hotel staff find in people's rooms? Do you, can you even imagine? I mean, that would be. We should probably get somebody uh, from maybe this hotel just to, as a guest. Yeah. To come on, some Friday. Hey, can you just talk about what you see in a room? Anyone that works in the hotel industry that's uh, cleaning rooms. How I mean, about this give us might a call? not even rank in the top five weirdest things yeah. they found. No, these aren't these aren't weird things at all. Maybe a laser scope, but the the fact that they found them on a window windowsill on the twelfth floor that oversees Navy Pier and a beach. Um, but the the mayor and the um, the 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 police superintendent uh, they had you know they they kind of drew conclusions as to what he probably or might have been doing, which maybe is out of step. But the 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 lawyer for this guy, and this is where the story just takes a, a weird turn. The lawyer's like, ah, he wasn't in there to 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 do a mass shooting or however you want to describe that. He wasn't in there to shoot people from the 12th floor. He was there to propose to his girlfriend. And then, so he got arrested on July 4th, I believe. And he went to jail July 7th. He got out on a $10,000 bond and walking out of jail or the precinct or wherever he stays in jail. uh, He immediately or semi immediately he's, he's kneeling in front of his wife gets out of the, no, his girlfriend now fiance Gets out of the car. He kneels and proposes to her right outside the PlayStation where he was just in jail. Just go to wisdomnews.com and see this picture because it's hilarious. It's unbelievable. Like, if I was doing an episode for 24, remember that show with uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. who's the actor Jack in that Bauer. show? Keep Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer, right? Dude, dude, dude. I love every that commercial. Show. And the premise of the show is every hour is one one hour of a 24-hour day in each episode. So there's 24 episodes in a season, and the episodes are ridiculous. His daughter, his wife, 
his ex-wife and the president always getting kidnapped. Um, but you know, if the if the the shooter or the potential shooter or the guy that's going to do a mass shooting wants to look innocent, you know, hey, uh, hey, can you just come pick me up and and bring a ring? Slip me the ring right before uh, you get out of the car, or right right after you get out of the car, and I will immediately propose to you, so that it looks like I was in Chicago to propose, like my lawyer said. Uh, it would be a, it would be a really bad show, I think, a bad episode, a bad season, at least a bad episode of Twenty Four. It would, and I I love the girlfriend's expression, like. Wow, I'm being proposed to right after my man is being released on bond from... I mean, very romantic, Very right? romantic. I mean, it would have been better off like, if he like, would have did it uh, at Navy Pier. Yeah. <laughs> I forget the beach, forget the mountaintop, forget the scenic overlook of a city. Just propose yeah, after and, you're out of the right, plank. Immediately out of jail. I mean, do you... And he probably, you know, he was there for three days. I doubt if he got to shower. I don't know. Do they get to shower when they're in jail for three days on $10,000 bond? I don't know. Uh, so that's uh, I get that one out of the way. All right. I got to do the news, actually, but I recorded it right before the show. So you're going to have to listen to me do the news. We'll be back. So if you pay $28 million to Jeff Bezos to go to space, probably one of those deals where you're like, hey, Jeff, when are you going to go? Because I got to make sure... And then you block it off on your schedule. You block a, you block it off. And then probably you probably make an exception to whatever was on your schedule. Oh, Jeff wants to go on, you know, Tuesday, November 3rd. I got a, I got a birthday party. My one-year-old <laughs> daughter's having a birthday, so I guess I'm not going to be able to go. So this guy, so Jeff Bezos auctioned off. I don't know how many seats he auctioned off to take his, uh, his friends not his friends, but just to, to pawn off some funding to go to space and he auctioned one of these someone won a seat for 28 million dollars and now he's rescinding that because he has a scheduling conflict he has a scheduling conflict he can't go that's unbelievable i I, mean what i mean what in the world literally or out of this world i mean only the only way you don't go is if somebody else is going to mars and says hey you want to come on this trip to mars with me i would be like sorry jeff your, your ship's only going to space. This ship's going to Mars. I'm going with them. I have to know what was on this person's schedule that took priority over going to space. It's, like, it's, oh, I had a dentist appointment. Ah, I guess I got to well, cancel. Clearly it, wasn't a dest- it, clearly it wasn't a dentist appointment. <laughs> I mean, it would have to, I, I don't, it, 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 like your own wedding? I guess maybe you would. I would, if I would I schedule was, my wedding around the space If trip, I though. was getting married and it was the date, it was set, and then Jeff Bezos, then I win this seat to go with Jeff Bezos to space, I pay $28 million for it, I would probably go to my fiance and be like, hey, we're going to get married a different day because I'm going to space. You want to get married beforehand just in case the rocket blows up so that, you know, you can collect on my dead bodies insurance, you know, but I, I just, I don't understand. I mean, and, and that would maybe be a fight. Hey, oh, really? You're going to go with Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world to space. You don't want to marry me. That wouldn't be a fight. That wouldn't happen. You would have you. In fact, if that were a fight, you wouldn't marry that person. No, $28 just, million. Dollars. Come on. And then how much would that guy's wedding be worth? Man, yeah, that would be, an ex- be a sweet wedding. I mean, you would have to have like a $100 billion wedding for <laughs> for you to cancel it or to postpone it to, so that you could go 
to space with Jeff Bezos. Speaking of going to space, number three is on the line. Go ahead, number three. Is this the Mutton Jeff show? I don't know what that means. I have no idea. Mutton Jeff, you two guys are really wound up today. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, I think this $300 that they're going to give people who've got children under the age of 18 is really going to jumpstart this country. Okay. Are you being sarcastic? No, no. I I, I just think it's really going to get things going because, you know, $300 a month is quite a bit of money, and that's, uh, you know, a nice... Payment, monthly payment on a snowmobile or a four-wheeler, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and people are going to go, well, it also could be a nice monthly payment on child care centers. If yeah, you if, it's, if that's what they use it for, but I always think toys come first. It kind of reminds me of back when I was young, one of the presidents said that they were going to give me a couple hundred dollars a month more and I should go buy something, you know, put people to work. Yeah. I went and bought a washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, they overshot the runway. They give too much money away. So they took what I, they gave me plus another $150 a month away from me more. So that, that could happen that these people were going to spend their money and then the government might want it back because we don't have any more to give. Okay, so you're you're already falling off the cliff there. So you're the the worst case scenario here is we get the three hundred dollars a month for the next year, and then uh, uh, right after that we ask for it back. Yep. All right. Because we're going to be out of money by then, Rick. We're already out of money. I feel like aren't we trillions in debt? Oh well, no! Right now we're just paying it. We're we're broke, but. As long as we can get the paper and the ink, they think they're all right. Yeah. I mean, that was something to be worried about now. Thanks for the call. Uh, something we weren't worried about for the last four years, right? Like that was – so um, the, the how are we going to pay for it? Didn't we just bomb Syria like a couple weeks or months ago? Like do, do we worry about how we're paying for that? Like there's always the – we're going to give parents money. That's, that's controversial. When we go uh, go bomb some other country, no big deal. Well, first of all, I'll say number three is right. This is not paid for. Yeah. The, it's part of the American Rescue Plan, which was passed in the first months of the Biden administration. It was not paid for. Right now, the Democrats are talking about potential ways to pay for expansions and extensions of this tax credit. And we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, to number three's point, you know, it's interesting because I've heard that objection, too. You know, how do we know what the parents are going to use the money on. But actually, that's why a number of conservatives kind of like this policy, because you're not telling people what to spend the money on. Right. You're giving them flexibility. You're saying, here's some money. Go use it how you see fit. Well, the other day, somebody texted in, uh, oh, these people are going to go spend this money on beer and cigarettes. And okay. I was like, well, their money. I was like, well, so you're telling me and they, first of all, they complained that this was communist communism and socialism, and then that they were going to go spend this money on beer and cigarettes. And I was like, "So you're telling me they that you want the government to tell them they can't spend the money on beer and cigarettes?" Because that sounds like, well, I don't know. Does is that communism? What's communism? <laughs> no, but uh, I, I got a text here, just a random thought from my current experience. Parents are having to buy things they normally wouldn't need to. For instance, teams are requiring all kids participating to have their own items. 
Just baseball alone means helmet, bat, glove, non-essential items, bat bag, batting glove. Normally, uh, cleats as well. You didn't throw that in there. Normally, well, you might have cleats already. Normally, they just need a glove and pants. This money helps ensure kids still get to participate in programs that help develop kids beyond the sport itself. Um, I think it even costs money to put your kids in sports to some degree as well. There's probably 150 bucks just like a team fee too. Or getting your kids to a physical, that's probably that probably costs money as well. And just think about how the cost of childcare is a huge drag on the economy right now, both because of how much it costs, and that is a real barrier to people either getting in the workforce or getting back in the workforce. I understand everyone wants to talk about the $300 federal unemployment benefit. I, I'm open to talking about the $300 federal unemployment benefit as a potential factor in shaping you know, people's willingness to work. But I would say that childcare is by far a more important issue. And just think about how much it costs. Think about how this, you know, just action is, some, something is needed. As far as child care is concerned, maybe this is part of the solution. Who knows? Yeah, we start with child care. Let's go to health insurance next. Can we all, anyone who needs health insurance, $300 a month for that? I could use that. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I mean, and Rick, the politics of this policy are complicated because, like I said, there are some conservatives who like this idea. There have been some conservatives who like the idea of just giving people a tax credit, open-ended, not telling people what to do with the money, letting them do what they want. And a lot of social conservatives like this, too, because it may help encourage people to have children. It may encourage people to, to have children because they're more confident that they can afford it. I don't, do you think people are having children? Because, whoa, if I have a kid, I'm going to get an extra 300 bucks a month. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the health insurance thing will come right back into play there. Um, yeah, and then uh, number three kind of alludes to, hey, like go buy a four-wheeler or something with the extra three grand. Well, that was probably a decision at some point for other parents, right? I wanted to buy a four-wheeler, but I have to spend um, a lot of this money on my children. Yep. And now I'm getting an extra three grand. Well, I'm going to buy a four-wheeler. Who's going to use the four-wheeler? Maybe the children. So why not buy a four-wheeler, folks? Yeah, I mean, this is in this is a change that is going to have an effect on the economy, Rick, in the ways that you're talking about. Because not only is this an increase in the amount of the child tax credit from two thousand dollars to three thousand or over thirty six hundred, yep, but it's monthly, and that could have an interesting effect economically too, to not give people the money in one lump sum when they get their tax refund, but to give it monthly and have it part of their monthly budget yeah because the other the way it was first of all the way it was done before you had to uh not everyone was eligible so now all families just about all families are eligible i think any parents out there or whatever guardians and then the second one was that you didn't get it until you filed your taxes the next year right and maybe you didn't get it at all because who like who knows who misses that when they file their stupid taxes Uh, because that's not complicated at all still waiting for that note card jagoski (laughs) where is paul ryan and the taxes note card still waiting on that all right, one more time. I got to do the news. Tregoski's favorite thing. Scott's comments coming up, and uh, well, you don't. I was going to talk to you about this roof thing, but we'll have to do that when we come back. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Should we do the thing on the uh, the shower heads real quick? Sure. I mean, he just I just read that that article, so I mean, this was okay. Let's do this first. 
the, when Donald Trump and I'm, I'm pointing to Trigoski, I'm pointing to the screen because I got a couple of Trump rally videos up. I'm going to play here in a second. But um, Trump would also, when it wasn't, how much did when it wasn't campaign season? How much did Trump just go and talk? At least once every two weeks. At least once every okay. And then how many helicopter interviews did he do? A lot. But were those helicopter interviews during a campaign season, or did he consistently do those for four years? Do you he remember? Pretty consistently did them. Okay, and I call them helicopter interviews because they're literally he he would stop out. It would, uh, like I, is that by design? Do you think because he always hey I got a helicopter I have to get on. <laughs> So I'll answer a couple of questions, but at any moment in time, I can just go, dude, helicopter. Like, it's pretty important. It's a helicopter. It's whirring behind us. So I'm going to get on it now because helicopter. Uh, it seems kind of funny, but – and then now let's relate it. Joe Biden, how much does he talk? Like, in in, in relation to Trump, is, is he – I mean oh, – Not nearly as much. I mean, his events are relatively brief. He doesn't give a lot of press conferences. He talks to the press occasionally – he talked to the press today when he was leaving for an event, basically saying Facebook is awful and spreading misinformation and conspiracy theories and making people believe crazy things about the COVID-19 vaccine. So Biden picks his spots in mm-hmm. a way that Trump really didn't. Trump would just sort of say what was ever, what, whatever was on his mind. Biden, he kind of has one or two things that he wants to drive home. Yeah. And would you say when Biden's speaking to if I got something to say? But I'm gonna. I'm just gonna introduce it, and then like kind of like this show. Hey, I'm doing some political stuff, and I'm not a political science professor. Trigoski, go. This is what we're doing right now. I'm gonna speak for a little bit, but then I'm gonna ask you the important. So you know, I've uh, I'm Biden. I got stuff to say about the vaccine, about the virus. I also got like vaccine expert here, and I'm gonna pass it off to him. Does he do that a lot, even or not really? They did that yesterday when they had the Surgeon General talk and talk about how he considers vaccine misinformation to be a real crisis at this point. So you're seeing a lot of usage of the different players in the Biden administration that you didn't see in the Trump administration. I mean, Trump was the center of attention, the constant center of attention, and would get annoyed if other people were sort of stealing the limelight from him. I think Biden's cabinet and his colleagues in the White House have been a lot more visible and driving home whatever the message is. It's really something we can miss, though. This is something that we like Biden's nearly not as entertaining. I mean, this is what we miss right by here. By design. Boring by design. Boring by design. And also, he's probably he might be funny, right? Like if Biden just got up there to like to to offhanded comments, he might. He does the whispering thing once in a while, and I don't yeah, know what that does. is. I mean, he's trying to be funny there. I don't. Does it work? Do you think that, that it is kind of funny once in a while? I think Biden is Out of a character. mediocre communicator by presidential standards. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's great. I don't think he stands up there with some of the great presidential communicators. I also don't think he's bad necessarily. Yeah, um, but we definitely we do. We do miss stuff like this, though. Every 15 minutes. You know what I did? I'll tell you this crazy story. So you know what bothers me? When you go into a new hotel, a new house, they have these faucets, right? And you turn them on, no water comes out. Even if you live in, like, North Carolina, you live in areas where, up in New England, you live, most of our country has so much water, we don't know what to do with it. The problem is, how do you get rid of it? But they do for, like the desert, like here, but they do for areas that, 
are a little bit tougher for water, but even you have the water. So they do it. So they come up with this one regulation for all over the country. So you go into a hotel or you buy a house and they have what's called a restrictor. Look at it. They're all donning. Same thing, by the way, same thing with your dishwasher. It was paused. There's a restrictor in your house that restricts the water. I didn't. I own a house. I don't have a restrictor. Maybe we don't have this regulation. Um, so we're, we're missing this. So, so the news today, uh, we're, we're going back to low flow shower heads. If you remember that Seinfeld <laughs> episode, uh, we're all going to have terrible hair, but then, you know, Trump goes on this stuff that we miss. I mean, I kind of miss this nonsensical talk. I mean, it has nothing to do with anything. So I, I hate to say the three things. It's the shower, it's the sink, and you know, the third element in the bathroom, but I don't say it because every time I say it, they only talk about that one. Because it's sort of gross to talk about, right? So I won't, th- I won't talk about the fact that people have to flush their toilet 15 times. <laughs> I did bury the lead in the other video. The, the, the other video, he talked about dishwashers right here. Sure, I freed that up too. The dishwashers, oh, they right that I freed the washer. Right here, okay. Same thing, by the way, same thing with your dishwasher. I freed that up too. The dishwashers, they had a little problem. They didn't give enough water. Like, so people would run them 10 times. So they end up. All right. So we're flushing toilets 15 times. We're uh, turning our dishwashers on 10 times. I don't know if anyone else. My dishwasher runs like four hours a day, like for four hours. So I feel like uh, that would be like a work week if I had to run it 10 times. This was one of the issues that Trump brought up time and time again. The insufficient water flow or the insufficient pressure on water on shower heads or dishwashers or toilets yeah the other thing he always bought up was that windmills kill a lot of birds Birds, yeah so he had these interesting things that he would bring up one thing real quick rick Mm -hmm. uh, a famous story from the 2016 campaign is that trump would see the red lights of the cameras in the back of the rally indicating that he was live on the air right and the story goes his goal was to do whatever it took to keep those red lights on, to say whatever he had to do to keep those red lights on. And he hacked the media. Like, he figured out how to capture the media's attention by talking about stuff that no one else talks about. We're talking about it now. Yeah. Like, how many months later? But only because it's funny. Like, that's what, and that's what I, I, I loved and hated, right? Like, it's, I mean, that stuff isn't, isn't helping anything. But it is comedy. It's like you would go... I mean, it was a free stand-up comedy show for an hour and a half. Yeah, like no other president would talk about this stuff. Um, all right, so so there's that. And I don't that even... was both a strength and a weakness of Trump, by the way. Like, a strength that he would talk about things that no one else would talk about, but that is at the same time a weakness because it got him off track, to put it mildly. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic talking about low-flow shower heads. <laughs> And and I talked to the guy, like he says, I talked to the guy about my shower head. Come on, man. Donald Trump's not talking to the guy about his shower head, right? Like, give me a break. Um, all right. So we, we started the show talking about the campaign finance, campaign financer, right? Is that kind of the best phrase to talk? And uh, stories earlier this week were about Governor Evers having $7 million, I think, cash in hand or yep. – Something like that, and he, he and he like hit a five million dollar goal, or not a goal, but like hit like five million dollars in raising. I mean, our governor's raising seven million dollars to re to run for reelection, and then um, we just we just came out of an election cycle where the Senate, Brad Path and Dan Kapanke, right here in our our Senate district. That was. I, uh, did you figure it out? Because I made you do the homework here. 
that, but it was like one of the highest, if not the highest ever state Senate race in terms of money spent. Absolutely. It was a combined $2.1 million spent on a state Senate race. So a position that's like 54 grand a year or something like 54 that. 54 grand a year. And it is a position for one out of 33 seats in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, and, and when you were moderating these debates, I think the, the question that I asked those two, Brad Paff and Dan Kopenke, twice was, hey, what are we going to do about all this money? There's way too much money in these stupid elections. Not that they're stupid, but when they get to millions of dollars, that, that to me becomes like stu- stupid as in ridiculous. Like, this is stupid. Like, $10 million or $2 million for an election race. Even the, pre- I mean, the presidential race is ridiculous. And, Rick, it's enabled by this interesting and weird loophole in the campaign finance laws in Wisconsin. Now, if you want to give money directly to a candidate, you're limited in how much money you can give directly to yeah, that It's like candidate. two grand or something, I yeah, think, yeah. depending on the, the race. But there's a way around that. You can give money to a political party, and then the political party can then funnel that money to the candidate. And that's how... Unlimited, hun- right? Unlimited, and hundreds of thousands of dollars came into this race from the Democratic Party and the Republican Party through this loophole. Well, this was a thing with the Steve Doyle race, so the Greater Lacrosse Area Assembly District. And we, we talked about uh, Steve Doyle got, I, th- I think, Ro- was it Robin Voss threatened to flood Steve Doyle's opponent, Kevin Hoyer, right, mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of money so that it would even things out. Like, hey, I'm going to throw a million dollars at Kevin Hoyer to run in this race. And therefore, the Democratic Party of Wisconsin said, oh, really? So we're and then threw a bunch of money to Steve Doyle. And then Voss just I mean, he he, he almost you know, it was almost like a fake, right? I'm going to fake this. And now I've made the Democratic Party spend, you know, a million dollars on, on a race that I'm not even fighting for anymore. Um, but, yeah, the idea that the overseers, right, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, we get to decide where we want to throw unlimited amounts of cash to our to our political, you know, our and then, and then somebody like in that in that race, Doyle's race, and now I forget his name because he ran as a independent. There were three people in that yeah. race, and the dude, the third dude, didn't have any money. You know, he no. was running. You know, he was running whatever he had in his wallet. I think it was a couple hundred bucks. Um, so that and then, if you want to run as an independent, you can't even compete because the two parties are just throwing millions of dollars at, at it's, races. It's a loophole that firmly entrenches the dominance of the two major political parties. That is for sure. And then if you want to go to the congressional side of things, Dan, uh, Derek Van Orden and Ron Kind are running against each other. Again, like we've already started campaigning for this uh, on the Derek Van Orden side. But over the last how many months? Is it three months? Yep. The last three months, Derek Van Orden has actually outraised Ron Kind. And that's unusual because usually the incumbent has an advantage in terms of having an established fundraising network, having people that they can go to to hit up for money. So it was unusual and somewhat surprising to see Derek Van Orden outraise Ron Kine by a significant margin. Ron Kine does have more cash currently in the bank, but this is a bad sign for Democrats because this is going to be a very expensive race. And right now, the financial advantage is really moving in the Republican Party's direction. Um, how much do the how much does that is that affected the amount of Ron, that Ron Kind is raising in the fact that we don't even know if Ron Ron Kind hasn't come out and said hey I'm I'm going to run it affects it quite a bit Rick because people's opinions about Ron Kind are going to be pretty baked in at this point. 
People have decided if they like him or don't like him. People have decided if they're ambivalent about him. But what will be so expensive in this race is attacking or building up Derek Van Orden. That's going to, there's going to be millions of dollars spent on going after Derek Van Orden or trying to support him. And that's where this race is going to be decided, perhaps, and that's where the money's going to go. The other, the other, you mean millions of dollars spent attacking Ron Kind? Because <laughs> I feel like all Derek Van Orden's ads will be just attacking Ron Kind. Yeah, I, I just think that you, your, your results may vary. I, the return on investment there might not be great because, I mean, you know, after so many years, are people going to radically transform their views on Ron Kind? Derek Van Orden's the unknown quantity in many ways in this race. And, and I think the money will be better spent on both sides by talking about Derek Van Orden. Pumping up. So a lot more um, drone videos of Van Orden on his motorcycle <laughs> driving through the driftless. Get the drone guy and get the motorcycle out and just pump out a ton of videos. Yes. And, and uh, you know, he's a Navy SEAL. So a lot of Navy SEALs talk. Um, all right, so there, there's our spiel on, on campaign finance. Remember, I did I did ask Path and Kopenki, hey, can we reel this in somehow? Um, like, is it up to somebody like Brad Path to, I'm going to write some legislation and maybe get rid of this loophole, right? I think there was a Milwaukee sure. uh, representative that had written some legislation to get rid of it. But why would, these guys don't want to do that, right? Like, they're th- this money is, like, this is my best way like i get unlimited funds from the party to to campaign why would i want to get rid of that yeah it's going to take a majority party in the state legislature and a governor who see it as being in their interest to close this loophole and until that happens we're not going to get this loophole closed because we're we're in a nice little spot here where we have a democratic governor and a republican legislature and they could come to an agreement on hey you know what we should get rid of the campaign money the, the dark money, can you call it dark money or not really? You know, it, it's not dark money because we know where the money is okay. coming from. Well, that was the irony, too, when I asked Kapanki and Paff. I'm like, if we should get in. And Kapanki was like, no, we need to know where this money is coming from because it's coming from a California teacher and a, the Illinois governor. And I go, well, that sounds like you know where the money is coming oh, from. Yeah, so we, what no, do you... We know where exactly yeah. where the money is coming from. There are ways to campaign and finance campaign activity where you don't reveal the donors, but this is different than that. This is yeah. different. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a college football coach. Uh, you make you make uh, these these state representatives go out without any money and recruit, right? And recruit for votes. These college football coaches, they don't get to go. Hey, I'm going to give you you know a million dollars if you come to the to come play for the Badgers. Not over right. the table anyway, maybe under the table. <laughs> Um, so if you take away all this campaign cash that the parties can deliver to their, um, you know, constituents, not constituents, their representatives, um, that makes their job a lot. That makes a job like Brad Paff or, or even uh, Derek Van Orden it would make it a lot harder because he'd have to go out and, and fight for the votes uh, on foot, essentially, or yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And, and at this point, right now, under the status quo, you just hope to get the you just hope that the party opens the floodgates and gives you a cool million. Yeah, the only and the, the the problem I see with that with the party getting unlimited cash to decide where to distribute it if you fall out of step somewhere with the party. Exactly. Like hey, you know what? I kind of like this idea that uh, you know, Republican yep. legislator has in terms of 
whatever, marijuana, be like, well, I don't know. Marijuana is a bad example in that one. But if you, you know, and then say a Democrat and a Republican get together, well, then the party might go, "Mm, you know what? No campaign cash for you guys. It's a way for parties to pick favorites and it's a way for them to enforce discipline among their members. Yeah. Um, All right. We got to take one more quick break. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. A couple minutes left here. Dr. Anthony Chagoski in with me. UW lacrosse political science professor. I got this uh, text. Solon, you're such a moron, exclamation point. The aerator on your sink faucet is a restrictor. Take it off and check the water flow. So, God, such a moron. It's your new assignment, Rick. Last week, two weeks ago, it was to check the water tower at the Charmont, and now it's to check your faucet. Such a moron. I can't believe it. Um, All right, what else do we have on the list, Chagoski? I got the list here. We uh, we t- we talked about um, <laughs> oh the the one thing that so we we talked earlier about Jeff Bezos the twenty eight million dollars to get on we're talking about campaign finances we're talking about a lot of money things well the Minnesota Twins are deciding that they're going to spend thirty three million dollars to uh, update or replace or their their jumbotron so to speak or their screen thirty three million dollars I bought a uh, Roku TV on uh, Black Friday for four hundred dollars. It's pretty big. I think it's a sixty-five inch, uh, four hundred bucks. So thirty-three million. Man, that's. I mean, just just buy a whole bunch of Roku TVs and and sync them up. Twins, whatever. You got to make the stadium experience as good as the I'm going to sit at home and watch the game experience. So what do you do? You build an awesome jumbotron. So that we can sit at, at the stadium and watch the game and on the TV. The game just like we're watching it on I TV. mean, yeah. if they build the jumbotron and make it like super HD and then while the Twins game is being played, they actually put the Vikings game on the jumbotron so that I can watch it. But uh, we are we are seeing this a little bit. Well, the, the with the Bucks game uh, tomorrow night, uh, we see this, uh, and COVID's over, so we can go sit out in the in the streets at ten twenty thousand people in the streets, packed in, breathing on each other, um, and watch on a tiny little. I think the screen that the the fans in the what is it the deer the some, deer district the deer district are watching like a maybe a. 500 inch screen or something like that in in, in terms of you bought if, over your roku tv so they could watch it yeah it's that. such a tiny screen and i can't believe i can't believe that people want i mean i just see those people bouncing around on the street watching the screen and 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 celebrating the bucks you know doing well but it doesn't look very it doesn't look very amusing to me i don't i don't i would have zero fun doing that so you're not a gather together and watch the game with twenty thousand other people kind of guy no, no, I'm not a gather together, watch the game in the streets where it's sort of hot out, right? It's probably hot out, in the, packed like sardines just after or during a pandemic. I feel like we're still in the pandemic. Like the idea that we just let this happen now is comical a little bit. Even though we have the vaccine, I understand that, but it still seems a little bit dangerous. All 50 states are seeing increases in their COVID numbers as a result of the Delta variant. As a result of the Delta variant and the NBA finals putting people out in the streets to watch these games. But $33 million for the Twins to uh, replace their screen just seems like uh, it's it's another one of these things where these entities have way too much money. If you want to just like look at like Jeff Bezos is is auctioning off seats for his rocket program and right and like he's his company doesn't pay any federal taxes. So like these 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 teeter totter things like and he's so he's getting twenty eight million from this guy and this guy 
who's getting on the seat for the Jeff Bezos rocket gives it back. Like, hey, I got a scheduling conflict. I have so much money that the $28 million that I'm going to give to Jeff Bezos, no big deal. I have something better to do than go to space. I know, Rick. All all I'm going to say is that as a Twins fan, given the quality of play this year, we deserve a great jumbotron after what we've had to suffer through this year we deserve like an awesome screen what i I feel like if the twins play bad they don't get you don't get the jumbo jumbotron you if you need to get your record well above 500 and therefore you will be rewarded with a jumbo jumbotron little contract incentive yeah something like that because uh you know if you're not playing good then fans aren't coming to the game and therefore you're not making money on ticket sales in 19 dollar hot dogs and uh, and then, therefore, you're not making money to pay for the Jumbotron. By the way, Rick, in that story, I saw that they're bussing people in from St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Chicago to staff the concession stands at Target Field. Oh, good. So more $300 unemployment uh, argument there, like yeah. uh, $300 unemployment incentives. And that's something that we would be able to talk to you, talk about, uh, the idea that unemployed people are making making off making a killing on unemployment because they get an extra 300 bucks a week we have like literally one minute so i don't think we have time to do that but that is weird they're busing people so i'm getting on a bus driving from chicago to minneapolis to work concessions for a three-hour baseball game exactly and then i'm going home yes do i get bus time do i get to punch in when i get on the bus now that i don't know that's an interesting question because i i take a bus from lacrosse to minneapolis to sell some hot dogs at seven twenty-five an hour. Well, I, I, if I'm getting paid for the bus ride, if you're getting paid for the bus ride, because yeah. that's extra. But that's like, you know, that's like from from Chicago to Minneapolis. What is that? Eight hours? That's a ways. That's a ways because yeah. that's a lot of bus time. Yeah. You just sit on your phone right the whole sure. time. You're just going to be doing that at home. <laughs> Hopefully, they install some nice TVs in the bus on the way up there if they're trying to pay <laughs> for this thirty. Bus, yeah. They're trying to pay for this thirty-three million dollar screen at the Twin Stadium. All right, that's Doctor Anthony Chagoski. I'm Rick Solom. Thanks a lot. <laughs> 